0: In a week that the Hockey Hall of Fame welcomes another goaltender, this is In Goal Radio, the podcast. I'm Darren Millard, along with the co-founder of In Goal Magazine, Kevin Woodley. David Hutchison is on assignment this week. A lot to get to, including congratulations to Kim St-Pierre. We have a, uh, another winner, a bonus winner, out of the CCM Access uh, Contest. Some contest and uh, paraphernalia coming out from uh, another source. And we'll put a bow on the WHL Hockey Canada Goalie Symposium, which ran last weekend in Goal Magazine, a presenting sponsor of uh, that great two days of goalie heaven with goaltender coaches from around the Western Hockey League and great presentations. And uh, uh, before we get uh, too into that uh, and uh, also talk about our feature interview this week in Dustin Schwartz, uh, Woody. How about Kim St. Pierre going into the Hockey Hall of Fame?
1: Yeah, both time, hey. Eh? Um, mm-hmm. For 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 a woman's goaltender to be in there, um, you know, it's this is a tough one. Not not her. It's no brainer, right? But like it, it to me, it feels like I don't pay close enough attention. I don't see all the stats. I don't. But there's always these arguments and debates. To me, on the women's side, I believe they have the right to put in two a year, and sometimes I wonder why they're not using that. Um, So, But great for Kim St. Pierre, great for the goalie union. Obviously, her track record speaks for itself Uh, when you think of the Olympics and the World Championships. I think five World Championship gold medals, three Olympic gold medals, uh, CWHL Goalie of the Year, I think it was three times. I mean, just clearly the resume to be there. And so good on the Hockey Hall of Fame for recognizing that. And, um, you know, I saw a lot of the congratulations from some of the uh, other female, uh, women's goaltenders that I know that are, are, you know, that I've watched a little more in, in more recent years about just how important Kim was to them. Uh, people like Shannon Sabatos, um, what a role model she was to them coming up. So yeah, good news all around. It's always good to have another goalie in there I would argue they're a little underrepresented, uh, and happy to see it's on the women's side this year.
0: She had some great setups too over the years, didn't she?
1: Yeah. I was thinking of the, um, like, I think of her in that Sherwood setup. Yeah. Like that's yeah. the one that kind of, that's the one that to me is, you know, it's almost like a target sort of with the red around sort of almost lightning bolts in a target yeah. fashion around the outer edge. And yeah, that that was a good setup and um, from a company that's no longer around. So uh, yeah, interesting to sort of look at some of the old pictures, but almost iconic, right? Like there aren't a lot of setups that you, where you see it and you're like, I know who that is. And she certainly had exactly. one. Exactly.
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, Congratulations. Kim St. Pierre going into the Hockey Hall of Fame induction uh, will take place in the fall. Uh, We uh, announced the winner of the CCM uh, Axis customizer uh, a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, well, we're still uh, feeling the effects, uh, the trickle down uh, of this contest. And uh, this is great news. Yeah, we
1: already obviously announced the winner of the full custom set, uh, senior size set. um, But the good folks at CCM. Uh asked our judges to have a look around at some more entries, maybe sort of in the youth category, so that they could give away a second set in the either uh in the axis one point nine line, um either in the intermediate or, or, or junior size range. Not gonna be the full custom colors, um, but uh they, they did a good job. The judges did a good job of sort of looking around and they found uh they found a young lady named Addison and I'm gonna Addie. Your dad says to call you, but I'm going to mess up the last name, which apologies to the whole family. It's Adamitis. And I hope I got that right. Bottom line is CCM is setting you up with a set of Access 1.9 pads. I'm going to get you all sized up. And when you look at Addie's, well, I guess it's her dad's Instagram. But the the videos on there, Darren, uh, the images, this girl grinds. She works hard she inspired me to start doing more of my goalie specific workouts. When I watch <laughs> some of the videos, I'm like, I got to get off my ass. Look at her go. Like just, just brought a smile to our face to see the amount of work she put in. Obviously did for the judges as well. And so CCM wanted to reward that with a bonus prize um, from the entry pool. And and so we're going to do just that. So congr- congratulations to Addie and her family. Well-deserved great job on the design, but just a great effort, the intensity and passion you put into goaltending. Ah, uh, did not and has not gone unnoticed.
0: Addy, when you get the set and you're on the ice, dad, take a picture. Uh we want to see Addy in that uh in that setup and uh and using it and and working uh, her tail off uh, in that new CCM uh gear. And speaking of CCM access, that's where Hutch is on assignment. You know, it's been
1: tough to build reviews right now because we're not able to get on the ice as much, obviously, and just things now opening up here in British Columbia. Hutch, we, I'm telling you, like June 26, so by the time a lot of you hear this on Friday, uh, we will launch the full review of the CCM Access Line. And Hutch has been going full-time, including ferry travel, uh, off the island here to the lower mainline to make sure we have this gear tested at multiple levels. We have had an NHL prospect already turn pro in the gear for a couple of weeks. Uh, we had it today. We had a kid who's headed to the WHL. We've had it um, with with minor hockey kids at a high level of bantam. We have te- as much as you can at a time when there isn't a lot of personal feedback on this brand new line from CCM Access. We made sure it wasn't just me and Hutch, you know, going out for a local beer league skate. Yeah. Not that we have local beer league skates, um, but we've established a lot of voices and a lot of positive feedback and a lot of interesting comments I thought from Dylan Ferguson. Um, especially on the speed skin. Uh, as a pro, he doesn't he 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 didn't get speed skin. Um, was one of those things that when uh, the LeFay factory was making it for CCM, they had it in very limited colors and not everybody got it. And it's really interesting to me that, you know, a couple of years into Speed Skin, you can have a guy playing at the pro level, try it for the first time. And this has been the consistent feedback, especially from guys, you know, are still in CCM, but it never just had a CCM pad with with that product, is they do notice that it slides better. And so that was the feedback we got from Dylan as well. So a lot of positive feedback on on the rebound. So look for that review by the end of this week. And like I said, it's not quite our usual standard. Like we don't have 10 different voices in there, but in very short order, I'm very proud of the fact that we're going to have three or four and right up to NHL prospect. And, you know, I think that is what separates our reviews. The fact we can get all these different voices coming from different brands and different playing styles and preferences to weigh in on a new line of gear and and we're getting close to getting the, the type of feedback we have in all of our reviews on this
0: line now. Without putting words in his mouth, would you say Dylan Ferguson was uh, sold on the SpeedSkin the way he experienced it?
1: Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he, he noticed the difference. And, and, you know, I will say this. It's interesting to me, and I got to say, like the last time we did a review, I think it was on the E-Flex 4 line, we had talked to Pecorine about this. Now, like I said, when the Le Fay factory in Montreal was making them, um, they did at one point. For a while, you couldn't get it at all. At one point, they brought in a sheet of the white, and so you could get it in white. And Pekka had it on his pads. And I talked to him, and he said, like, not a huge difference, but a noticeable difference. He noticed a difference. And he's like, if it's going to slide better, that means you're more efficient. Why wouldn't I use it? Well, then ironically, like, I can't remember how many months later, he wanted to go to that, remember that dark navy blue set? And he couldn't get it in SpeedSkin because they didn't have it. And so he just ordered the pads without SpeedSkin. And that one always left me sort of scratching my head. Like four months earlier, he told me, I do notice a difference. Again, not putting words in his mouth. He didn't say it was a huge difference, but he said it was noticeable. And hey, if it's faster and more efficient, I want it. And then for the sake of color and the fact it wasn't available, he ends up not in it. So I think that's one of the changes you'll see is guys will be able to get it uh, for a guy like Dylan Ferguson, it was, it was a notable change. And it'll be interesting to see, is it a game changer for guys? I don't want to say that. Um, but again, consistently, guys who have been in CCM and then tried CCM with SpeedSkin have said to us they've noticed a difference. And to me, if it makes a difference, why
0: wouldn't you use it? That's kind of where I come out. Can I ask a silly question? Yeah. is Speed Skin- more effective on maybe medium ice. Like great ice is gonna, you're gonna slide good on on great ice or fresh ice. But does does it really help when when the ice gets chopped up or uh, whether you're not playing in a in a National Hockey League facility?
1: Yeah, it's interesting because some of the different materials that we've seen, um, all with the all with the the goal of sliding better, perform better on different surfaces. I think Speedskin is is good once you put a chop in it. Um, when the ice, you know, we've got some sliding stuff, and we've talked to guys after the ice really does break down, and they still think it is better, but maybe not. The difference isn't as noticeable. Um, okay. s- some of this new materials get a little sticky on fresh ice. You, like you got to make sure good. you you put a little chop in your crease to get it sliding a little bit. So some of the materials act a little differently. I would say speed skin on fresh ice is fantastic. Um, still holds up pretty well, and, and it and again. What we try and do, too, is we're not comparing apples to oranges. Uh, it's kind of hard to measure a lot of these things, although we are working on, you know, Hutch with the science background, trying to figure out some ways where we can compare between brands. But for us right now, it's about comparing within brands. So that's why Dylan's such a good experiment, because he was in CCM, just not with the Speed Skin product. And he noticed a difference once he tried it. And that's kind of where the consistency has been. Quantifying how much I can't. But if the goalies feel faster in it, then that usually helps. Uh, the one thing I'll say, too, is it is interesting at the NHL level when you talk about ice, because we have to worry about that, right, Darren? Like, yes. we have to yeah. worry about, you know, my Monday skate, they do a dry scrape halfway through, and that's great. But for the most part, that never happens. And so how does it perform on bad ice is an issue that that us beer leaguers have to worry about. But let's not forget, in the NHL, they're getting, you know, sort of the, they get this sort of manual scrape a couple times a period. And then they're on fresh ice every 20 minutes. So for them, it, the existence is mostly on good ice.
0: Uh, we went down a rabbit hole there, and I uh, apologize for uh, distracting you. But uh, we also have a uh, word out of Net360 and Alpha Hockey Agency.
1: Yeah, we had a little bit of a contest coming up there. And actually, I should say just the end of a huge contest. Um, our good friends, Ray Petkow at Alpha Hockey Agency and Net360. Um, the Net360 goalie camp that we go to every summer with, with mm-hmm. Ray and Adam Francilia. They've been running once a week. They've done a giveaway. Um, some of their clients uh, have signed merchandise. I've seen a bunch of different things, like including sticks from Connor Hellebuck, signed pictures, pucks, uh, even hockey cards, you know, a whole wide range. Well, they were calling it like a, it was 52 weeks of these giveaways we're into the final week starting this Friday. Wow, they've been doing this for a whole year? They've been doing it for a whole year and we've been nice. kind of negligent. We probably should have promoted it long before this. But now in the final week starting this this Friday, June 26 and running all the way through the following Friday, they're going to blow it out. So there's going to be an opportunity. Make sure you check both those accounts, Alpha, Alpha Hockey Agency and Net360 Goalie. Um, they You have to follow them both and like the the tweet or like the... Instagram post that sort of teases this contest and if you're a goalie especially when you think of the clientele that they have there's a lot yeah. of good goalies on that list including the likely in our in our minds Vezina Trophy winner and Connor Hellebuck this year there's going to be a ton of merch given away this week most of it signed Um, So make sure you check out their accounts. If you're a goalie, there's an opportunity to win something pretty cool. And, you know, to be honest, we got to get their follow count up there around 1100, which means your odds are really good of winning. Um, But now that we're making it public, it's probably going to your
0: odds are lower, but the the follow count will rise. Okay, so which uh, what accounts uh, do we follow here? Net 360 and Alpha Hockey Agency?
1: Alpha Hockey Agency and Net 360. And I'm just trying to go back to my feed actually right now to double check that. Alpha Hockey Agency for sure is the first one. and I just can't remember if it was net 360 goalie or net 360 hockey. It's net 360 hockey. So NET 360 hockey um, used to be net 360 goalie. But I guess when you got guys like uh, Justin in there as mm-hmm. part of the crew, you got to recognize the players as well. So net 360 hockey and Alpha Hockey Agency. Check them out over the next week because there's going to be some great prizes given away there.
0: Our feature interview this week is with Dustin Schwartz, goaltender and coach with the Edmonton Oilers, uh, also a major uh, spearheading guy uh, behind the. Uh, that's a great intro, isn't it? Uh, he was the 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 guy behind the WHL Hockey Canada symposium uh, that occurred uh, on the weekend, and uh, just congratulations to you and and Hutch and uh, and Ingle Mag, uh for your contributions. Uh, Uh, to what was uh, an amazing couple of days last Thursday and Friday. Well, and thanks
1: to you for coming in at the end and uh, just providing that real professional element on the the Q&A hot stove sessions with Carter Hart and Jason LaBarbera. And of course, our Ingold Premium members can already listen to the Carter Hart exclusive interview. Um, It was a great couple of days, Uh, a lot of work behind the scenes to make it come out smoothly, and I thought it did and uh, was happy that it did. And the bonus for for... The investment we made in it, both financially and, and in terms of the work we put into it, was all about being able to get content for our listeners. Um, this symposium, and you mentioned uh, Dustin Schwartz, who I'm now going to forever call spearheading guy. Um, spearheading guy. He's the, He's been a WA, the WHL goaltending consultant out of the NHL since 2017, and he's really worked hard on a WHL goaltending advisory committee and they work with the provincial branches from BC hockey, hockey, Alberta, Saskatchewan hockey association, hockey, Manitoba to try and build the development plan that, that uses the WHL guys and brings in these, these coaches at the branch level and then sort of trickles down and sort of come up with this grassroots plan to help goaltending get better in Western Canada. And this symposium was a big part of it. And I thought he did a great job. And, and, Obviously, the idea there is bring in speakers and some excellent ones. Mike Valley, uh, David Alexander, Stanley Cup, uh w- winning uh thing coach of the of the St. Louis Blues, um, WHL coaches presented on on a variety of topics. Ian Gordon from the Seattle Thunderbirds, Curtis Muka from the Edmonton uh Oil Kings, Dan De Palma from the Kamloops Blazers on puck handling, movement, uh managing traffic, a lot of things that. I thought we really good for goalie coaches, but also goalies can take lessons away from. And to us, as much as that's a development plan for all these branches, it gives us a development plan, or at least we're able to share that information with our audience at In Goal Premium and give them, again, what we think is a real high level of, of coaching and voices. Scott Murray from the Washington Capitals on, on tracking and sort of the new mechanics, the new biomechanics of tracking was excellent and these are all presentations that we're going to be able to share with our audience. Like I said, Carter Hart's up now at the hot stove and I thought it was excellent. He was really open uh and insightful with his comments. Uh, Ingo premium members can access that. Jason LaBarbera was was insightful as well as funny as heck at the end. Yeah, he We've was. got yeah, we got that story. And then all, and not all but most of the presentations we're going to be bringing to our audience too. So, great couple of days. Uh thanks for Dusty to Dusty for bringing us in and and for organizing the whole thing and for everyone else involved behind the scenes. It was it was awesome and it to me it kind of made for a perfect segue and give us an excuse to have him on the show as a, as a feature guest cuz he does have a unique path um as much as he was a goalie uh, he also has an education degree uh and and spent some time you know coaching in, in the Alberta Junior Hockey League and um you know working in in an academy of environment at uh, I think it's Vimy Vimy uh, academy in in Sherwood Park or Edmonton and um, just, just a really, you know, rising star in the goalie coach community and a guy that, uh, whose insights I thought our audience would appreciate.
0: And really unique situation because he's a goalie coach and one of his goalies in the National Hockey League is, is from his generation. Uh, so there's, there's that tweak, uh, to it, uh, with, uh, Dustin working with Mike Smith. He is, uh, the, uh, newly named spearheaded guy, the goalie coach, uh, for the Edmonton Oilers and feature interview. On In Goal Radio, the podcast, Dustin Schwartz with Kevin Woodley. Edmonton Oilers coach,
1: goaltending coach, Dustin Schwartz joining us. And we're going to do this one on the cell phone um, because life is just that busy, Dusty. Thanks for taking the time on your way back from the rink with the Oilers. Uh, you have been very busy during this pause, uh, managing, organizing, getting ready for the WHL hockey Canada goaltending symposium that we were part of last week. Um, how are things going? I guess in general, just, uh, start off with how, how, how are you managing all this right now?
2: Uh, things have been really good. It's been an exciting time. Uh, you know, through all of this, the challenges that everybody's faced with COVID and everything else and the shutdowns and postponements and stuff like that, it's been, uh, been actually really positive there's been lots of good takeaways as far as uh, um, you know time for professional development whether it's been working you know through the poe program in hawks canada and doing some of the stuff with the goalie coaches and the goalies there um, lots of work been done with the whl and uh, the development planning group it's been uh, a real uh, good good opportunity for me to to work with some other people um, in a different environment too through a lot of the the, the virtual opportunities now that are out there and it definitely has opened your mind to, to challenging yourself to get better and uh, find new ways of communicating so you know what doing pretty well and those things have been uh, been real positives
1: yeah what can you tell us in terms of especially the you know your use of the online component with with young goalies with prospect goalies within the Oilers obviously I know I wrote at NHL.com about um, you know a virtual development camp that you had going on once you realized there wasn't going to be an opportunity for a regular development camp can you, as much as you can share, and obviously there are probably things you can't, but can you walk us through a little bit in terms of some of the elements um, that you used and some of the lessons you maybe learned about, you know, goaltending development, especially anything that you might carry forward even once we get back to a regular environment? Are there ways to use these online tools to help make goalies better long-term?
2: I think there is. I uh, I spent a lot of time, um Looking at our goalie prospects and then identifying some of the areas that we needed to target um, fortunately i I've, I know all of them very well, just as they've been in our organization for a while now um so you kind of had some good uh key elements that we wanted to work on and develop. um We used the platform we just used Zoom as kind of something to help establish that constant communication um give you a little bit of the face to face rather than just that, over a phone call, and it wasn't sending video through a link. It was actually able to be shared via the screen, which was quite beneficial. We chose a few topics. You know, I kind of broke the video down, and then um, each and every uh, week that we talked, we had different things that they would kind of take home for for homework, for lack of a better term, to help them to uh, further advance their perspectives on things. Um, and then we just kind of went through it. I had some guest people join us which is kind of a cool feature and working on that virtual zoom type platform where you know we had miko koskinen joined us for for one of our sessions um jim playfair the assistant coach joined us for one of our sessions his son dylan playfair who's a uh, uh, an actor on letter kenny and been in a variety of different uh, um, uh, movies and, and scenes and stuff like that uh jumped on and talked about his role as an actor and how it kind of correlated to that of of, uh being a professional athlete and the time and the dedication and the details and the work and all that sort of stuff the accountability that goes into being uh in that type of uh of a workforce so we tried to touch as many human elements as we could as well as get to uh to the root of the goaltending stuff and i think it's something we can really use moving forward i think there's a big vision for myself to to do some of this stuff um you know, with the Western Hockey League and the branches across Western Canada, after seeing how well it rolled out, not only in our Oilers development camp but also in the WHL symposium, it's uh, there's a there's a real opportunity to grasp time, you know, money, locations, and put that all together in an easy to use format and and provide the development and growth for the athletes.
1: I wanted to get to the use of video and and teaching play reading, Dusty, but you, you opened the door on letter Kenny, so I got I got to ask. Outside of, you know, that be a pro mentality that's required of an actor, um, were there any, anything else there that dil- directly translated, I think, in terms of mindset or anything from, from Dylan? I, I'm trying my best here to bring anything from Letterkenny into this conversation because it's a show I enjoy <laughs> so much.
2: You know, you know what? he uh, Dylan's a, I mean, his dad's an amazing human being, but it comes, uh, Apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And, you know, he talked. He would come in in character a little bit, but then he kind of deviated away from character and just talked about his experiences and how he got started. And um, one of the things that I really, you know, found interesting is that his first role was in like a, basically a child cartoon. Uh, I can't even remember exactly the name of, Descendants, I think was what it was called. And uh, he actually uh, auditioned for the role. And there was a lot of dancing that went into the part. And he actually got the role based on his audition. And he said to the person when he received the, the opportunity, he's like, like, I don't know how to dance. And the person's like, well, you're a hockey player. You're coachable. And he's like, we're going to teach you that. So he ended up with working with Michael Jackson's choreographer and dance instructor was his first dance teacher. So he took like, are obviously the pinnacle of dance when it comes to Michael Jackson and kind of worked at his craft. And by the time the show started, he knew exactly what he was doing and worked so hard to, to fill in the blanks with what he was missing as an actor. Um, he talked a lot about, uh, how would letter Kenny, they do a lot of their scenes, uh, most, most like shows like that, um, would do one scene kind of, you know, in around a month worth of time. Um, Letter Kenny tries to hit it off in three days. So they try and do their scenes in three days, which means that all of the actors have agreed to a person that they will finish those scenes in three days by doing all the work before they get to shooting that specific scene. And that information was interesting because it was a lot about the prior planning, the preparation, the work, the accountability that went to those other you know, people that you work with. And by doing that, they could all increase the amount of revenue they made if they came back and spent less time having to do take over take over take and just getting the work done within the three days. So a lot of really good uh, messages for the goalies about preparation, about accountability, about responsibility and being prepared. So lots of great takeaways. And letter Kenny, there's five of them, maybe even six, that actually all played junior hockey. So there's a lot of that mindset of uh, of the work and the coaching and all that stuff that these, these people have gone through that it made some good ties and some good correlations to the things that we would demand of our athletes as coaches. So pretty powerful stuff, really.
1: Is that a big part of it? Uh, and I know you presented on this at uh, the Hockey Canada Program of Excellence just a couple of weeks ago, but when we hear a lot, and I'm surprised actually to be honest, Dusty, how often I hear it even from NHL guys that are four or five years in, where they'll all of a sudden take a big step in their game. Chris Treger was one of the most recent ones. And really what it amounted to to, wasn't wasn't about skill, It wasn't about necessarily a new technique. It was about evolving his focus and that quote-unquote, we hear it all the time, learning to be a pro. Sounds like there was a lot of lessons there from Dylan. Um, What do you see and are you surprised sometimes by, you know, guys arriving as NHL prospects and maybe still needing to learn a lot of those lessons?
2: I think a lot of them need to learn those lessons, you know, when you go through the league, um, you know, of NHL starting goalies, there's obviously the the select few that come in and are able to light the world on fire from, you know, 18, 19, 20 years old. But a lot of them have had to kind of develop themselves probably from a maturity standpoint and a mental standpoint and a preparation standpoint, uh, more so than even the technical side of the game. Um, I think you know you look at a lot of American League goalie or even junior goalies for that matter, and technically a lot of them are really close, uh, you know, and and right there with with the, some of the NHL goaltenders. And in some cases, uh, uh, some of those American League goalies would be further ahead technically than some of the guys that are currently playing in the National League. Um, but there's that component that is a real separator, whether it's being the student of the game element, whether it's the um, understanding. Yourself and what you need for preparation standpoint from an on and off ice perspective. Sometimes it's the training component. It's the, you know, what are you doing um, physically off ice away from the game in the off season? And what are you doing in season? You know, there's so many layers to that. And I think a lot of guys learn that uh, as they mature, as they get older. And uh, for me personally, I've been fortunate enough to be around you know, the goalies that have transitioned very quickly. And then you see ones that have taken a little bit more time. I mean, I get to work with Mikko Koskina on a regular basis. And, you know, you've look, looked at the transformation of his game from the time he was a 19-year-old and first came over from Europe to play, ch- challenge himself to play pro in North America. And, you know, he went back to Europe and now he's back. And um, a lot of those same conversations have been had with him. So I think it's... Uh, Every goalie eventually starts to find his way and some just take a little bit longer than others.
1: To go back to the development camp that you ran um, online, the virtual development camp, the one thing I wanted to ask you about is using video and using plays, and I know it's a lot more complicated than just watching a couple and talking about it. You had a, had a pretty you know, in-depth system, but that ability to use video and examples to help teach play reading, uh, I think even I was a little surprised that you... St- that there was that much value in it for you uh, when we discussed it in, in the past couple of weeks with guys who are at the pro level. So I, it seems to me there's got to be value for kids as well, because it feels like at times in that development ladder, and I know you're removed from the youth level, but it feels like at times we're, we're getting towards, uh, and I hate this term, but I'm going to use it anyways, that quote unquote goalie school goalie, where they know where every drill finishes and they can move their perfect um, and, and they look as good as an NHL are moving around the ice, but once the game starts, that play reading ability, um, can sometimes be lacking. So two-part or how important is that? And, or, have you been surprised at just how useful video can be to teach that even at the levels you're at still?
2: I think two things. One, I have tried to keep myself at the grassroots level as much as I can. Um, because I think that there's obviously value to be able to give back at that level and. Uh, I think you're bang on, i think the the um the ability for the goalie to establish use the term Mike Valley used in some of our presentations, but the goalie i q uh i think that starts with us as coaches providing opportunities to a have drills that create those scenarios, and b especially as they progress a little bit into the mid junior levels to be able to provide the video resources that get them to look at those scenarios. As a coach, you can't draw up every scenario. I can't I can't put together every situation that's going to evolve in a game. Um, but there are common trends that happen in a game, whether it's situations off the rush. You're going to see a variety of things like two-on-ones where there's a shot or a pass option. You're going to have three-on-twos where the common alley of the middle lane drive the pass east-west from top of the circle to top of the circle or the potential shooting option. So I think what you can do is not necessarily um, provide every situation, but I think when you give them the ability to look at common themes that happen within the game, and then the job of the goalie coach is once they've started to see those themes um, from a video perspective, now you can really work the foundational parts like the tracking, the mobility, positional play into those read situations. So I think that as the goalies get older, um, they now, it becomes innate off of a three-on-two rush. They get, they're they more comfortable with that net, net drive to the net or the pass east-west because, A, they have a good foundation, and, B, they've seen that before. So it takes a little bit of the, call it the unpredictable, and makes those scenarios more predictable. And I think that those reads are things that you can help the goalies to uh develop by working on all of those aspects of their game and and that takes time it takes understanding by the the coach and the athlete not only of the goalie position but of the game in general and then you can start to allow them to work on those skills in practices create layers and build that out so i think that that can start sooner one of the challenges that we we face you know moving forward and it gets talked about all the time Is goalie coaches have said multiple times to me hey we our goalies need to be better at reading the game or you know they need to be more of a student of the game or the goalie iq needs to increase okay great how do we do that so one of the things that i I tried to work out and this kind of takes the development piece that i worked with the oilers guys and tied it into some of the reasons for what we did at the whl coaches symposium is trying to get those goalie coaches to look at some different video clips and understand scenarios so what We tried to do is is to help the coaches to understand, okay, these are common trends. So when I put the video together, I took the WHL goalies, goals against. I took American League goalies, goals against. Double IHF events, goals against. NHL goals against. And you start to see common themes that happen from level to level to level to level. So now, as a coach, now you got to start to build those into your drills and start to create the opportunities for the goalies to develop them.
1: Fair to say that it's, uh, it's an area that, I don't want to say lacking at the youth level, but it's an area where we, we can make up some ground in terms of teaching that?
2: I do. I think the, the, the foundational pieces, you know, are the things that the goalie coaches are currently working on technically, I think is absolutely imperative um, before those reads develop and become more consistent and more innate and become part of who they are. The skills and the techniques have to be there in order to be, ex- be able to execute those reads so little things like just simple understanding of depth uh, being able to adjust depth work on the mobility on things like t-pushes setting angle working to set feet all those different sorts of things those technical elements have to be there but I think you can start to build them in slowly especially at a younger level um, to get them to understand different reads that are in the game and it could be simple as things out of cycles you know recognition of, of shots from above the dot under the dots Guys are working out of overlaps, and then obviously building your tracking and different skills like that. So I think it's definitely something that can be more aware of, and then gradually built into practice plan.
1: You talk about uh, foundations talk about. and some of those skill foundations. What for you, like, how do you what break down those different elements of skills and foundational? Obviously, we want to build a complete goaltender. Um, and there's 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 technical, there's tactical, so many elements. What do you see as a foundation? Is it movement? Is it skating? Where's your foundation as a coach, whether you're working at the NHL level or working still at the youth level helping out?
2: Well, I think once you get up to the, so starting at the top, once you get up to the NHL goaltenders, you work through the American League and even into junior, um, you're, 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 you're looking at those goalies and this assuming and understanding that they have already established a pretty solid foundation. And I think, personally, three things that would really be valuable parts to that would be the tracking, uh, the goaltender's ability to move, and then the positional elements of the game. Um, I think those things are things that start from the time that they strap the pads on to the time that they become an NHL pro. Um, The teaching and the disciplines of it at a younger age, it's absolutely critical. Um, As they start to get older, um, those things obviously advance. They become more Uh, a maintenance rather than continuous development of them because they already have the skill set. And then understanding what those things look like and putting them into situations, movements with things that are considered to be important, such as post-play movements, where you're working on your knees, that's the stuff that starts to get a little more advanced, goalies start to become more comfortable with it, and then you can start to look at other technical elements of the game. But tracking, movement, and positioning, those three things tie into, in my opinion, every situation that evolves and develops as a goaltender at every level. When you say tracking, uh,
1: just to, just to be clear, because I think, you know, a lot of people hear tracking, they think it's just look at the puck is it a little more specific for you in terms of not just look at it, but how you look at it.
2: Yeah, obviously I think that's advanced a lot over the last, you know, number of years and, you know, the concepts brought forward by Lyle mass and head trajectory and, and, and all those things. I personally, like, you don't necessarily use that exact term, but you talk about looking at the puck and posture and your setup and all that other stuff. Talk about more and more the one element that I think tracking's become um, more focused on isn't necessarily even just into save execution, but it's tracking into recoveries and how that's done. It's it's tracking in your movement and how you know your tracking is a part of your mobility, which is a part of getting into position. Um, so I think it's kind of culminated into tying itself together in all aspects of the position rather than just into save execution. And I think that that's been a, the, a huge growth of the, the tracking and the elements that we talk about now as coaches and goalies too. It's interesting that the unity on it now, you know, Mike Smith last year, first time I got to work with him. you know, I sent him a text to start off our relationship, you know, and it started to build from there. I just said, I you know, what are kind of three things you want to start working on when you get to camp? first one that comes out is tracking you know so i think it's kind of i mean he's almost the same age i'm at so it started to become universal and it started to be understood with greater um levels than just into save execution track it to your blocker it goes into following it in your recoveries and those sorts of things so i think that's where for me personally the greatest advancements and, and gains have come
1: you mentioned it. There's only a three-year gap between you and Smitty. Um, you've been in the league a while now and and, and still only 41 years old. So um, in the NHL as a goaltending coach in your sort of mid-30s, what's that like when you got a guy like Mike Smith with all that experience in the National Hockey League playing, uh, not that far removed from you in terms of age, having kids roughly the same age? How is that different? How do you, how do you go about getting a guy on board with, when you have, you know, new guys coming in like that, especially a guy like Mike, who's got a lot of things that are, you know, probably really well-established and good reason for it because he's had success.
2: I think you kind of touched on it, like good reasons for it. You know, he's at the level he's at because, you know, it's no different than, you know, Ryan Miller and some of those goalies that are into that age bracket where they've played in the league a long time uh, and they've established their craft uh, by doing certain things that have allowed him A, to get to that level, and then B, to stay at that level. And I think that that's where, as a coach, um, you have to come in with a real open mindset on things. Um, There's things that you're going to see in in those athletes' games that you're going to want to say, hey, like, what about this? What about that? But I think, A, timing is everything Uh, when you approach those situations. Uh, B, I think communication is a huge piece of it. We talk daily uh about practice plans and incorporating their thoughts into things that you do um there's lots of compromise you know there's things that he's going to suggest and i'm like okay i get that i see that um and i think that that's a huge piece and at the end of the day i believe without the trust and respect um from person to person there's no coaching uh and i think you work hard to establish that and and vice versa you know he works to establish your trust and respect too so I think there's, a, there's a, so many branches to that. Um, I think you have to have a, a strong level of understanding of the position. Um, and you've had to, for my, me personally, I've had to evolve, obviously, as the game has evolved. You look at some of the goalie coaches that have been in the league, and I think it's impressive when you start looking at the Benoit Lares and the Ian Clarks and those type of goalie coaches that have been around for such a long period of time and had an amazing tenure goes to show their ability to adapt and communicate well and and I think that that's something that I've learned as I've worked through um, you know my time in the NHL that that I've been fortunate to have uh, have have done the same things and learned from guys like that even if it's not directly with them so I think the relationship the respect and the trust is is uh, really important and we've made some subtle adjustments to things and um, you know once you have those, those elements I just talked of, the goalie's usually a lot more open to, uh, to, to making changes. I heard a great line one time, and it goes, actually, it was the Vancouver Canucks, and um, they just traded for Ryan Miller, and I'm not exactly sure how it could come off, but they had asked him a question, um, you know, how are you going to work with a new goalie coach and those sorts of things, and he's like, you know what, when the goalie coach brings something to my attention or uh, brings up a point, and it's something that I, I view that I can get better with, I'm open to change you know but i don't i'm not going to change for the sake of changing and i thought that that was a really good way of putting it
1: uh, usually ryan miller comes up with good ways of putting things i'm uh, i'm going to have to look back but i can almost guarantee you that was uh, one of our interviews that that quote cuz it it rings a bell appeared in um so i want to get to your path a little bit because it is unique uh, as i said with the edmonton oilers since 1415 season with the oil kings before that but looking back at the old hockey db here dusty Playing for Medicine Hat, Red Deer in the WHL, coming up, then off to the University of Alberta for five years. First snapshot: Dustin Schwartz, the goalie versus Dustin Schwartz, the goalie coach. What? Would, how different would you, the player, look from you, the coach, uh, or, or what you would want out of you, the player, now that you're a coach?
2: You know what? There's, it's funny to say that. I think your greatest strengths are always your greatest weaknesses, and um, I think anybody that knows me that competitive intense passionate whatever the the word is that you want to use for it um i think that was a a real strength of mine as an athlete and um but it was also a weakness you know sometimes the frustration would creep in and take away from you know making the main main priority uh, of making saves and stopping the puck um but but it's something that i've learned over the years to manage a lot better um i still have that same passion and it's still that same competitive edge to, to be in there involved as a coach. Um, you know, you strive for success as a coach as, as much as you did as an athlete in a different way. Um, I think communication, leadership, you always work ethic with something that, you know, you always took pride in and never um, would ever change that element of who you were as an athlete. I think that's carried over into my, my abilities as a coach. Um, it's funny because some of the best goalies that I've personally got to work with are so calm and collected and I've appreciated that cuz it's something that I was never as strong at and I mean camp Talbot you know right to mind he was such a good demeanor calm competitive quietly like he just had a real element to him um Miko's that way Tristan Jari was that way Carter's that way to an extent they're so competitive but yet they're so able to manage the emotional element of it through frustration um, and I, I, really have a ton of respect for that. Um, you know, and then this year having Smitty come in, Victor Foss was much like that too, more fiery, more competitive, that edge that makes them unique. And I was much more like that. So I respect and appreciate that. So I've tried to really be holistic in my approach, um, to how I, I, I view each goaltender and try to work really hard to target. That individual's character and personality to get the most out of them, and that's something that I wish I could have done a little better job of as an athlete. Was looked at my own weaknesses or areas that needed to grow and target them a bit better. And, um, and maturity has definitely helped me with that. Well,
1: okay, from University of Alberta playing though, I mean you obviously channeled something there. Looking at the numbers uh, in in U Sport, you know everything in the high mid to high nine twenties and nine thirties there. Did you know coming out of there in oh four o five graduating from the University of Alberta and then starting your coaching career in the a j h l and then moving up to the w h l was was coaching always part of the plan? Did you take things uh at the University of alberta and university with with an eye towards this or was this something that just sort of evolved with time
2: you know what i you you kind of brought it up with chris readger and and i know I've been on the ice of dreams before, and um you know the maturity factor like I went from junior to playing at the U of A and honestly, it sounds cliche a bit, but I grew up, uh, I started to, to realize, you know, more about myself as a goalie and I was a better goalie when I left the U of A by the time I was done than I was when I first got there. Um, and I mean, for me personally, like that program has so many great memories, not just, you know, as a, as a student, but as an athlete. And I was very fortunate to have gone there. And you know what, you, you go through that program and you start to meet people like coach Drake and coach Billy Moores and people like that, who were just on the, not the goalie side of things, but just incredible coaches. Um, And they'd come before you as a, a, and there's so much history with that at the U of A that you kind of, you know, really understood and valued that for me personally, I I wanted to keep playing. I, I went to, um phoenix's camp in 97 i went in 2003 i think it was la's rookie camp and stuff like that the la kings and i i I still wanted to keep playing and there was opportunity after and i got my teaching degree and my phys ed degree and um obviously through doing more and more at that level with the coaching and stuff at at the youth level kind of just became a passion i enjoyed it i I obviously had run camps actually a long time ago um with bill senior ranford uh, they used to have a goalie camp in Sylvan Lake, Alberta, and I'd jump on with them, and it was Bill Ranford and Sean Burke and myself and the guy named Aaron McDonald, and we'd run this goalie camp in Sylvan Lake, and it was always something that I enjoyed every summer. A guy named Andy Nowicki was involved and coached the LA Kings for a bit. Um, so I always kind of was around that coaching stuff, and I really enjoyed it, and I got offered my first coaching opportunity with the Fort Saskatchewan Traders. They don't exist anymore. And we had an incredible coaching staff, and I give all of these guys so much credit. Steve Hamilton, who coaches the Calgary Hitmen now, Ryan Marsh is the associate coach with the Saskatoon Blades, and Jay McKee, who's the coach in Vancouver for years, and now is uh, coaching the Vernon Vipers and the BCHL, and myself. And they let me coach, so I did the goalie coaching stuff. But you were involved in the power play, and you were involved in the system structure, and um, I was kind of got to do the eye in the sky stuff. Um, so from the U of A transitioning into that first year of coaching, my, my growth was, you know, exponential and a huge credit goes to all those guys, you know, for helping me become not just a goalie coach, but also to understand more about the, the coaching elements of the game. And, and I, and to this day, I feel like that's been a huge value. Is
1: it something you still get to use a lot at the NHL level? Is it, do you, as you talk to other young coaches, and obviously with the WHL Hockey Canada Goaltending Symposium, that was one of the elements here was a mentorship component with these other young coaches from across the country and all the WH. I know you're involved in that role with the WHL goalie coaches, but recognizing um, whether it's you or some of the other guests that we had on there, David Alexander talked about it, that need and ability to sometimes be more than a goalie coach and how invaluable that can be, not just from a career arc perspective and, and making yourself, um, you know, uh, available to do extra things, but an invaluable in that way. Um, but also just in terms of that evolution of maybe being more than just a goalie coach when it comes to being part of a national hockey league staff and, 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 you know, raising points about power plays and penalty kills and, you know, sometimes we see it with the analytics with Stephen Valaket. Like, it's not just about the goaltender numbers. You know, you flip the coin and a big part of the job is figuring out how to beat the other guy's goaltender.
2: So right and, and so true. And David Alexander did a great job in his presentation discussing that. And for me, I think one of the things that really is important in being able to coach the game and not just coach the goalies is that it allows you to be a better goalie coach. So you brought up earlier about reads and recognition and themes within the game. Well, a lot of that stuff, you know, develops because you played the position a little bit, obviously not at the National League level, but you understand the themes that happen. Um, But the coaching side of it really takes it to a whole nother level. Getting to understand what the penalty kill looks like, getting to understand how to expose another team's goaltender simply by understanding structure, Uh, being able to you know, we walk into the coach's room with Ken Hitchcock, who, I mean, he's a Hall of Fame coach. And uh, with somebody for me personally that in my short time with him, I really appreciated the opportunities mm-hmm. to be able to be a little bit more of the eye in the sky and share some of my, my thoughts on the structured part of the game. Same with Todd McClellan, same with Dave Tippett. Um, oh, I'm so lucky that at this level, those guys have provided the opportunity to sit in all the meetings, to share some thoughts on the penalty kill. I've got this year working with with Jim Playfair and and, and uh, Glenn Gullickson on the special team stuff more and more. It's been um, I've been so thankful that those opportunities with the Fort Saskatchewan Traders, even the Edmonton Oil Kings, and working with Derek Laxall and Steve Hamilton, like the opportunities to be a coach have really helped me to be a better goalie coach. I understand way more about these situations that are evolving and how technically and tactically we can look at things. And it helps when you're breaking your video down, which, you know, you listen to David Alexander talk about being the video coach. And by understanding the game, you really can look at the video and say, boom, boom, that's what I'm looking for. So when I start putting clips together, whether it's for Mike Smith, who's a, you know, a 20-year NHL pro, or whether it's for Stuart Skinner, who's working to become an NHL pro, you can start to see the things that are valuable pieces out of the video just from understanding the game a bit better and and that for me has been something that a have taken a lot of pride in b i'm thankful that i've had the opportunities because of the coaches that have given me the chances to do it and c it just continues to grow you continue to get better in those elements of your of your coaching
1: one guy I wanted to ask you about, I know you have a relationship with him uh, in terms of you know outside of the Oilers because he, you, you've been coaching him since he was a teenager, and we had him on the, we had him as a guest at the end of the WHL Hockey Canada goaltending symposium for a hot stove. We just published it in goal this week, and I know so much of our audience is going to take so much away from that because he is such an insightful young man. Uh, Carter Hart and that relationship and watching him grow what impresses you the most about him, whether it's as a goalie or as a person and how have you seen his growth through these years?
2: Well, Carter and I first connected, I think, I think he was 12. So basically like my oldest, Carter has been around my family the whole time I've had kids. And aside from the goaltending side of it, he's as humble down to earth, um, just a super good kid. And, you understand why when you meet his parents and they're, uh, you know, salt of the earth as well. And and really have raised him the right way to be that, you know, kid that cares about everybody else. And I think that, uh, he is really unique. His work ethic, um, is second to none. I mean, you know, I wouldn't have said this, you know, with him in front of me, but I mean, the fact that he goes out, takes, finds his ice time and does all of his power skating and he does this weekly on his own. You know, it's 7 in the morning before he goes and does his workout. We put a plan together every summer, and he nails it. He goes, he gets his ice set up. His mom and dad, for the entire time that I've known this kid, have really just let Carter drive the ship. Um, he is uh, was so mature from the time he was 12 uh, all the way until he, where he's at now in his career. And I think there's been something to be said about the ownership that he's taken for his game, and it continues to be that way. He sets up his ice time. He we get the shooters together, but everything is about him taking ownership of the stuff that he does. Um, the, the the student of the game element, the video, the work behind the scenes, uh, all the stuff that people don't see, like he is on top of his video. If we do an ice time, uh, to this day, from the time he's been twelve till, you know, whatever his age is now, twenty one, his video in the summertime, that's valuable to him. He takes it, he uses it, he comes back, he's like, Schwartzy, can we work on you know, this at some point in the next couple of weeks, I want to tighten it up. And we really targeted a lot of his foundation over the time. His skating was always really, really good. He just continues to evolve that. His tracking and his positional play has become, you know, top five in the world, in my opinion. I mean, he's as good as there is when it comes to to the tracking and the positional elements of the game. Uh, And he continues to develop those. And it's interesting because now I get on the ice and you talk about maintenance. We maintain those elements, and now it's really become an opportunity to pick three things that we work on every summer, and that's what we hone in on. And we chose three things last summer in conversations with Kim Dillabo, obviously, and uh, and we just every week, those were the priorities. We did this, this, and this, and that was the things that, that we continue to target week after week after week. You so, mentioned incredible kid.
1: You mentioned video and the, and the back and forth there with video on the ice. As a coach, how much do you use video on the ice? Obviously we talked about play reading and sort of that eye in the sky looking at plays from that perspective. But in terms of individuals, uh you know, whether it's movement or just doing goalie drills, do you use video during the season? Like do you have a an iPad out there or is it pro- that more of a summer thing in your mind? I'm really curious where where you come out on that.
2: I have all of those devices and tools, because I think they are valuable. Um, I, there are points in time if it was needed um, to pull it out. Sometimes the goalies ask for it, um, so, so I, you always have those those uh, resources accessible because you never know. Sometimes you might want to look at something on a post play situation, uh, and it's nice when it's structured and controlled. Just to pull a few clips. Um, even sometimes you'll you'll film, you know, a few breakaways or stuff like that if that's a focal point you know, kind of go over, you know, certain things that we're doing. Um, I don't do a ton of it in season. There's so many other things going on, um, you know, with the NHL goalie that we try and, you know, manage the amount of external stuff that we're bringing forward. We use a little bit more of the game film um, to help us with a few adjustments um, that we're trying to make. There's so many opportunities to uh, use that game film to tweak what needs to be done. So we kind of spend more time on, on that side of things. In junior, I think it's a little bit more usable, um, especially with the number of practice times. Um, You know, the NHL schedule is pretty heavy game play situations. Both of our goalies played frequently this year. So um, that's why the game film become a little bit more usable, Uh, but at the junior level, and especially even the American league level, there's a lot of downtime between game to game. And I think if you're trying to target specific areas of development, not overdoing it, but finding a balance of what, you know, a few clips here and there just to kind of look at it and then kind of making the comparable to some of the game stuff that you're trying to get each of those goalies to understand. I think it can be a real powerful teaching tool, but I think there is a balance and I think that depends a on the coach's ability to teach. I think that depends on B the uh, goalie's ability to absorb and the student of the game piece of it. Um, I know somebody like Carter, if it was junior or, something like that you could be a little bit heavier on the video because you could accept it understand it and then get back on the ice and work on it so I think it, there's a lot of uh, factors that go into how much and when in the summertime um, the video will spend some time in certain areas and like I said there were three things we chose kind of last summer so I think there is some the opportunity for development there.
1: You use the word teach. I promise last one here, I'll wind it down because as usual, Kevin's going over with his time. Um, But I heard you use the word teach there a couple of times and the ability to teach. Even if it wasn't with an eye towards coaching, getting your education degree from the University of Alberta um, as a teacher, how much do you think that helps you as a coach to look at things like, is there a difference between teaching and coaching or is it important to bring some of those teaching lessons into coaching? What's you know where, where do you come out on uh, on that?
2: I don't think there's a the two can be separated personally. Like I, I, you know we talked about David Alexander and he's got a teaching background as well. And you listen to him present and stuff like that, and he's very clear, articulates really well, planned, organized, like very very good in his in his deliveries. Um, the best coaches that I have been around um, would be the best teachers. Uh, I think there's a strong correlation between the two. And I don't think the two are separate. They they can be separated. I listened to Todd McClellan do a presentation and um, as articulate as it gets, you know, he's clear, he's concise. He, he's got the ear of the people that are listening to him. There's a presence in the room. He's got a good tone of voice, like all those teaching skills that, you know, you take away from your, your experiences. Todd would display those, you know, extremely well tips the same way you know I, jay woodcroft the planning the preparation the organization the detail um all of those things would make you know jay an incredible teacher of the game uh, steve hamilton teaching background articulates uh you know through practice planning is is done with purpose uh, there's a goal at the end of everything that's laid out it's not just randomness on a paper uh it, it's got a, a, a purpose to why you do it um, so I think personally, I think the, the two coach teacher are, are very intertwined. I remember I had a really good experience. One of my really, really close friends is Mike Gavinette and Gabby coaches at the University of Nebraska, Omaha. And Gabby's grandfather is the late Claire Drake. And, um, for anybody that's ever met Claire Drake, you don't even talk about him as a coach. You talk about him as a person because he was, you know, knows your kid's names. And his first conversation with you was never about hockey. It was about how you were doing and just an incredible human being. And I was lucky enough one time I was sitting down with him and, and Billy Moore at Mike's house and just listening to the two of them talk. You can just see how their ability as coaches to relate to people, to build respect, to, to earn that respect and stuff is second to none, which is what made them such great coaches and very iconic. Obviously coach Drake's made his way into the hall of fame and had an impact on, on many, many, many coaches over the years. Of, um, you know, as a coach and teacher, I think the two of those things are intertwined.
1: Last one, really this time sh- I got to ask you about shooting. Are are NHL goalie coaches inherently, do you have to be the best shooter on the team to run drills at that level?
2: <laughs> I don't know if you have to be the best shot on the team but it definitely uh, is something that, you know, you, you have to be able to do. I believe it's not necessarily a requirement of the job but you do have to be able to at least put the puck on that a little bit i think it's something that me personally i've worked hard at it uh and take a lot of pride in it because it's uh going back to my fourth sass days those guys throw you into drills and the next thing you know you got to be able to have enough skill to be able to make a pass to shoot um, and those sort of things and there's times where and any goalie coach that it is out there. You know, you're stuck sometimes on your own to get a warm up done or even to do drills, to do drills on your own. So it is a little bit of a requirement to be able to, to execute a bit. And, um, I think the goalies appreciate when they know they can jump on it. You don't always have to be on the, on the shooter's time. You can get started and, and get something out of things before everybody gets themselves into position and ready for practice. So requirement, maybe a little bit. Is it an absolute necessity and priority to coach? No, not.
1: So, so you don't necessarily you, you can't get away with a muffin, but you don't necessarily have to have the bar down laser that you have.
2: <laughs> well, I think with time it just comes. You just work at it, and it, it just builds. Like you know, I look at some of the goalie coaches that I've started out with um, that have you know not really they get into coaching and haven't done a ton of shooting, and the next thing you know they're firing one tees off their back foot. So um, I think that there are times where that growth and development comes from just being on the ice more and doing it more. So,
1: Okay. Dusty, thank you very much hey, for Dusty. this. And thank you for making us here at Ingle, a part of the WHL hockey Canada goaltending symposium. If there's anything you want to add before we let you go about how you see that moving forward and the importance of something like that with the WHL coaches and with the other coaches that were involved, uh, fire away.
2: Uh, just in closing, Kevin, I think, uh, that program has become kind of near and dear to my heart. Um, the WHL goaltending advisory group that we have, um, has been absolutely incredible to work with their, their minds are in the right place. Their passion for the game is incredible. Um, I think there's so many people out there that are willing to help coaches, to help goalie coaches, to help parents at the grassroots. Um, it just takes a group to kind of drive this ship a little bit. And I really feel like that. Group of goalie coaches, the Western Hockey League, and their commitment to it. In Goal Magazine, the the, the stuff that you guys are doing at the grassroots level, and the opportunities to uh, for goalies to see it, parents to see it, and coaches to jump on board. I just can't wait to see the branches jump on board. Um, guys like Matt Wenninger with Hockey Alberta, Kelly Bard with Saskatchewan Hockey. They're they're really working hard behind the scenes to to give everybody the resources and the and the skills and the help that they need. So um, I look forward to guiding that ship for years to come. And I hope that uh, continue to have the support from everybody to do it.
1: Well said, Dusty, you know, you got our support and we appreciate, like I said, you making us a part of it, just to even to help deliver it at a a very small part of it um, was, was really neat to see. And so good on you for organizing it and for being involved and staying involved at that level, even after you've moved up to the national hockey league, uh, and first and foremost, thanks for your time today. I know how busy it is. We appreciate you uh, making the time for us. And I know our audience uh, from young goalies to goaltending coaches to goalie parents is going to take a lot out of this. So thanks for the time today.
2: No problem, Kev. couple of last ones.
0: Last question, say, in that one.
1: Well, you know, I didn't have any last week, so I figured I better make I know, up for you're,
0: it. You're making up. <laughs> Uh, I, I don't know Dustin that well, certainly not to the level of, uh, of you and Hutch, but the little that I was able to chat with him last week at the symposium and then listening to this conversation, real bright mind. Uh, he's not one of those guys that played a bunch of years pro and then went into goaltending, uh, coaching. Uh, th- this was sort of a, a choice from the start out of college.
1: Yeah. And, and, interesting, you know, that, you know, he mentioned Dave Alexander too, but guys coming up with an education degree and I wish we had dad with us tonight. I wish Hutch wasn't on assignment because, you know, I know this is something that can, he can speak to. Um, you don't have to have an education degree to be a, a great coach, but quite often guys who have that background, there's, there's a bit of a different approach. It's, you know, it's, I asked Dusty and not very well, frankly, but you know, that difference between or the compliment between coaching and teaching. And
0: Oh no, I thought it was a great question and I will steal it down the road uh, because I've never heard a phrase the way you did. It was, uh, it was really well done. Uh, can you, is there a difference between teaching and coaching? Well, okay. It was a
1: good question, but I spat it out about awkwardly. I had to rephrase it six different <laughs> times. So, um, took five minutes to ask it, but, uh, you know, we're seeing more of that. And, uh, Dave Alexander talked about it a lot in his presentation at the WHL Hockey Canada goaltending symposium, another guy who came up through that path. And, you know, it's it, it's interesting to me. And, and I know, like I said, I wish we had Hutch here. Maybe we'll ask him about this next week. But there have been times where, you know, a guy who has an education background uh, like himself, he can see, you know, the difference between coaching styles. And there are some coaches that coach but don't necessarily teach. And when you come from that education background, I think there's, you know, you've, you've learned what the difference is, you, you
0: know, what it really is to teach. And there's a fine line there, isn't it? Yep, yeah.
1: And not, not like, one I would pretend to even understand. And that's why when mm. Hutch observes it, that's why it's fascinating. So we'll definitely have to bring this up next week when he's back.
0: I, I never really thought of it until you, uh, until you brought it up. Like, I always think coaching is, uh, as teaching, but sometimes you're, you're not really teaching. You're motivating. You're intimidating uh, using those tactics. But well, if I was a coach, teaching. I, I'd just be yelling a lot yeah. You, you 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 can um uh, you can motivate with uh with force with the best of them you're pretty solid with that <laughs> um i don't think your are i think your headset uh, your earphones yeah, would, uh, yeah, would i was just, i was just
1: gonna say i got a set, i got a set of expensive earphones looking up and two pieces on the floor that uh, would disagree on the effectiveness of of that uh method
0: uh Gulletson, uh part of that you brought up the symposium again just want to uh footnote on what uh, you guys produce with the Western Hockey League and Hockey Canada goalie symposium uh, having a non goalie uh, as part of it I thought was really intriguing and and valuable um just just hearing a a coach talk about what goes into making a goaltending change does he bounce it off uh off the goalie coach uh uh things like uh, there's just different parts of it uh and how a, a head coach has to bring the goalie coach in and and should be bringing the goalie coach in more often now
1: yeah, no, know and I thought that was good and and a really unique perspective, not something I've yeah. seen at 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 a at a goaltending symposium. I've I've been lucky enough to attend a couple with uh, the crew from Network, which includes Dave Alexander and Mike Valley and and Pascal Valana, who is a part of this with Hockey Canada. They do for a while they were doing it annually. Um haven't in the past year obviously with everything that's gone on here, but um they, they run a nice symposium as well. And, and the one that I, I never would have, I wouldn't have even thought to invite a head or a head. Well, in Gully's case, he was a head coach and now an assistant or associate coach with the Oilers. And that perspective uh, was really interesting because I do think that was another subject that came up, you know, talking, whether it was from Dustin or from David Alexander or from Mike Valley, managing, or Jason LaBarbera talked about it too, mm-hmm. managing, especially going from playing to coaching, managing that coaching room after a game, how you, there are opportunities now, maybe more than ever to work your way into roles on a staff beyond just your goaltenders, whether, and not just the PK, but the power play. We talked with Dusty, like that, flipping that switch and flipping that coin a little bit. Um, It's more than just breakdowns in the playoffs on how to beat a guy. Uh, It's offensive systems and making sure they create the types of chances that lead to, to goals in today's NHL. Scott Murray. Um, of the Washington Capitals, who was another guest and another presentation we'll get to share, he played a role in helping the w- change the way the Caps approached offense the year they won a Stanley Cup using statistics and analytics from Stephen Vlaket's platform to quantify improve. Listen, this is these are the types of plays that make goalies' lives hard. We need to generate more of these and less of the ones that make goalies' lives easier. And just warm them up. And so I'll never forget, actually, against Vegas in the final, um, odd man rushes, always looking to pass across the slot line and create opportunities. As fast as Flower was laterally, they felt like if they just walked in on him and shot at him, chances of it going in, and statistically it's proven, are, are lower. But they had the skill to make sure, rather than just walking in on... And they passed out of some glorious chances in that final. And I remember thinking, oh my God, really? You're passing out of that? But they knew that the odds, if that pass connected on the other side, especially as aggressive as, as Marc-Andre can be, um, you know, they literally had a number that the chances of that puck going in went up, like increased by 30 or 40%. So that's the play to make. And so you know, as a goaltending coach, you can have that type of voice, you know, on the right staff. And if you approach it the right way, so hearing it both from the goalie coaching perspective, but also hearing it from Glenn Gullitz and Gully,
0: um,
1: it was, I mean, just
0: added another element. It was a fascinating couple of days with the Western Hockey League, Hockey Canada, goaltending symposium. And uh, with In Goal Magazine's uh, In Mag's contribution and uh, partnership, uh, you will be the big benefactor uh, as content uh, will be, uh, is on the site and uh, on the premium section. And uh, more to come over the next couple of days and a uh, couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, and we'll probably uh, we'll including that Gulleton interview. Like as much as it's a head, an associate coach and not a goalie coach, I think we're going to roll that out because there is some value there. And so, if you're not a member of InGoal Premium already, make sure you check out InGoalMag.com uh, and subscribe. We've got a lot of great stuff. The Carter Hart interview—that's exclusive. That's the only place you're going to hear that. That half an hour interview that Darren did with Carter at the symposium. Uh, we got another pro reads—the third one we've done with Carter up this week. Uh, We got some tips from Carrie Price up this week. Just some simple stick position on the post, increased movement. So it was really neat. Back to basics, right? Back to basics. And what I loved about that story, isn't it great when you get to watch and I'm going through all the old footage to to come up with these stories right now. Um, And and you got to go through, they're 40 minute sessions, but you find these little moments where Carrie just engages with, especially with the kids that are tired. It's a yeah. long day and they're in brand new gear and you know how hard it is to sometimes move around in brand new gear and these kids are running out of steam and just to, to see him coach and work with these kids and encourage them is really cool. But then to see him also quickly work in a tip on stick position that he utilizes right up to the National Hockey League level. Um, you know, I'll I'll be honest, you can't get that anywhere else other than in premium. So a little, you know, shameless plug there, but I thought it was a pretty cool content. So, and last but not least, we will bring the Carter Hart and Jason LaBarber interview here to the podcast guests. Um, we realize that these are not the easiest of times for everyone. And, and as much as we think there is a ton of value in in premium, and we could probably charge more. Not everybody can afford it right now. So we'll wait until July. We'll let our premium members have first go at it. We'll, we'll bring you those interviews with Carter Hart and Jason LaBarbera as part of the podcast later on in July.
0: Great stuff. Uh, well said. And we hope the uh, the world is getting close to... Uh Getting back to its uh, proper axis, and uh, we have uh, more on the CCM axis uh, competition, and uh, that's great news uh, as well. So we'll, uh, we'll bring you that photo and, uh, and that inspirational story as well. Uh, for Kevin Woodley and the On Assignment David Hutchison, I'm Darren Millard. Thanks for listening to In Goal Radio, the podcast. Be well.